to Alive and Powerful with Pastor Scott Morrison. Alive and Powerful is the radio ministry of Foothills Calvary, a fresh and growing fellowship in Lakewood, Colorado. We invite you to come and join us as we study the Word together, Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. We meet at 12344 West Alameda Parkway in Lakewood, just a few blocks west of Union and Alameda. For more information about Foothills Calvary, please visit our website at foothillscalvary.org. That's foothillscalvary.org. We hope you are blessed by today's message. Now, here's Pastor Scott. Good morning. It's a great day to be in the house of the Lord, isn't it? To be able to spend time with like-minded believers, to be able to worship our God. You know, of all the religions in the world, we are the only ones that have a God that says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. He's going to help us. He's going to strengthen us and uphold us with his mighty right, right hand. Is that, is that your God today? Is that the God that you're serving today? You know, we live in, in challenging times, and um, it, it, I don't have to tell you that, that we have so many things going on. You know, there's a, there's a war between Russia and Ukraine. Um, there's rumors of war between China and Taiwan. We have famines and plagues in our own country. We have droughts and floods that are devastating areas of our country. Uh, we have an economy that, I mean, inflation, Right. Um, and, and other things, political unrest, social unrest. There's so many challenges. And, and recent studies have shown that up to 85% of people in our country are afraid of the future, are fearful of what's going to happen in the future. Yet we know we have this God that's reaching out to us and saying, fear not, for I'm with you. I'll help you. I'll uphold you. Yet we also know that in our country today, based on research, just a little over 50% of people still believe in the God of the Bible. And of that number, less than half of those actually ever open up the Bible to see who that God really is. If you're here today and in this church, I know you know something about God. But you know, there's, a, there's an alarming statistic by the Pew Research Organization that says if trends continue, and they're actually on the rise, but even if trends just continue, in the next 10 years, 10% of Christians will walk away from the faith. It's shocking. And what would it take? When you think about your life and you, look, you think about 10 years from now, is there, is there any way, anything that could happen where you could look back and say, you know, it's just not a part of my life anymore. I tried that. But there was something else I could go back to. We can't ignore these statistics. I would guess everyone in here knows of someone who has uh, heard of someone or even knows someone who's walked away from the Lord. And sometimes it is fear Sometimes it's, it's persecution. Sometimes it's just the challenges of life. But, but what are we going to do as a church, as believers, to not only make sure that we don't become the statistic, but how do we help those who we love so much and that we interact with on a daily basis? How do we keep them from becoming one of these statistics? We're going to look at a few very important things today that I, I believe are, are critical 
for knowing God and, and getting into a relationship with him and sustaining that relationship. You know, this isn't a trend that's, that's actually new. It, it happened even when Jesus walked on the earth as a man. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 6 this morning. We're going to start there. And those of you that were here for the devotional this morning that, that Pastor Scott gave, we did not pick compare notes. How crazy is that? He talked from John chapter 6 this morning. I was standing there going, man, God is so cool. It's just amazing. So John chapter 6, we're going to go all the way to the end of that chapter. And we're going to start in verse 66. And it says, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. And you know the context of this, it's, it's really an amazing chapter. Jesus feeds the 5,000. He walks on water. He tells people that he's come down from heaven, from God. It's, there's some amazing things that happen in this chapter. And the people that are following him are very interested in him. But they're mainly interested in free food, maybe hearing something encouraging, maybe seeing an, a miracle. But a very interesting thing happens in verse 67. Look at this. Then Jesus said to the 12, his 12 disciples, do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of life. And also we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. You see, somewhere along the way, something had happened in Peter's heart. Something had changed him. And everything else became less appealing. There was nothing else that he could go back to. He'd made a decision. There were many other things in his life. There were many other things at that time. There were pressures. People were walking away, but he said, I have nowhere to go. Why is that? What was different about Peter's experience? You know, he, he saw the miracles. He heard this same difficult message that Jesus preached that others said, you know what, that's too difficult. I'm not sticking around, I'm out of here. But there was something about Peter that changed in his heart. Today we want to look at a few very important steps that I think are, are, are just necessary to make sure you don't become one of those statistics and to help those in your life to move along in that direction. The first thing that we're going to take a look at is, um, is, is some of just the fundamentals. And I know many of you have already made a decision to follow the Lord and, and have, have um, really already settled it in your minds. But again, it's not just for us. Let's make sure that, that we equip ourselves so the people we're interacting with on a daily basis also can have that hope. God says that, that we can be a light and a witness to them, to this lost and dying world. So Many of you have made a decision for Christ, but if you haven't and you're here today or you're watching online or anything like that, you know, it's very important that you know that not a single person who has ever come to Christ has ever been able to do it in any other way than what the opportunity is for you today. The Bible says that there is none righteous, no, not one. Never has been, never will be. We all come to Christ in the exact same way. We are sinners. We are guilty there is nothing you can do to ever make yourself good enough. You can spend the rest of your life 
giving to the poor, doing charity work, and you won't be one step closer to being worthy of the forgiveness from Jesus Christ. So we come to him completely broken, complete sinners. But God says to us that he showed his love for us. He showed his love for us in a very specific way that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How amazing is that? Even though we were sinners, even though we've done all the things that we've done, God sent his son out of love for us that he would die for us to pay the penalty for our sins. And, and not just that, again, you can't earn it. It's a free gift. How amazing is that? All you do is receive it. You don't pay for it. You don't have to convince anyone. It's a free gift from God. God says in Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And it continues on in verse 13. It says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How amazing is that? You can have that today. If you don't yet, let's make sure it happens today. Once you receive that, there is so much reason for optimism and hope and freedom from fear. In Romans 8.38, it says, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ our Lord. How amazing is that? And we know that that love of God through Jesus Christ our Lord is how we can claim that freedom from God when he says, fear not, because I'm with you. I'll help you, I'll uphold you. So the point here at this point is that the work is done. Jesus did the work for you to be saved, to you, for you to be eternally saved, for you to be able to say, I am going to heaven. That's all Jesus' work. Nothing you could do to get to that point. But once that happens, once you ha accept that in your life, then, then you get to get involved because the exciting part is the next step is to get to know your Savior. And there's, there's some amazing ways to do that. And the first one, and probably the, one of the most important ones, after you are saved and, and have, starting a relationship with Jesus, is to start a conversation. Start a conversation in prayer with him. And prayer isn't rocket science. You don't have to learn a new language. You don't have to change the tone of your voice or anything like that. It's, it's conversation with God. And you know, you can, you can come to him and you can tell him your worries, your fears, your cares. He already knows, but he wants to hear from you. He made you this way. He wants to hear from you and he wants to work with you and, and help you. And there's a great way to learn how to pray if, you, if you're just kind of starting out or, or if you feel like, I, I try to pray, but I just can't get into it. And that's with the acronym ACTS. Many of you have already heard about it. It's like the, the book of the Bible, A-C-T-S. The A is for adoration. Just tell God how much you love him, how amazing he is. And if you're thinking, well, I don't know if I love him. How do I know if I love him? I don't know if I love him. Well, you know what? Just talk to him. And, and tell him that. Be honest. God, I don't know if I love you. I'm, I'm thankful. I'm glad I'm saved. But as you continue to develop, it takes time. You, you spend time with him. You learn from him. You see all the amazing things he's done for you. I'm, I guarantee you you're going to love him because it's just so amazing to spend time with him. The next is confession. Tell God your sins. Like I said, he already knows them. But tell him. Tell him how the things where you've failed. And then most importantly, ask him to forgive you and help you do a better job in the future. He will. And next is Thanksgiving. The T is for Thanksgiving. 
Just there's so many things to be thankful for, no matter where we are, and no matter what our situation is in life, there's so many things to be thankful for, and just let him know. It's all from him anyway. The S is for supplication. This is the part about asking. And so when you come to God, Lord, how can I be a, a better husband, a better father? How can I be a better servant of you, a better employee? Lord, help me do those things. And the last one, this is a good one. I know there's only one S in Acts, but, a, but, a, but the last one you can add is another S, and that's just sitting in silence with him. You know, there's no awkward silences with God and, it's, and, and in prayer with him. And you can just sit there and, and just wait on him. Maybe he'll put someone on your heart or something or a verse. It's just amazing. So prayer is the communication tool. It's how we talk to God. And everything else that we talk about today is on that foundation of your relationship and your prayer and your communication with the Lord. It will develop over time. 1 John 5, 14 tells us, now this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. He does. The next way to get to know God is through his word, the Bible. With so many people turning away from the Bible nowadays, this book is under attack. And you know, many people say, hey, it's 2,000 years old. How can it still be relevant? How can it still be something that's valuable to us today? It's not updated. Maybe we need to create a new modern version, take some of the old stuff out, add some new stuff. You know, it's, it's especially not woke, Right? So it's not something that, that a lot of people are like, hey, let's, let's take this and let's play, play, place our entire life on this book. But I have an argument for you, and I think the word tells us why we can. Turn with me to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. And we're going to go to chapter 3. And verse 16. This is Paul writing to Timothy. Paul is close to the end of his ministry. He's going to be martyred, and he knows it. And Timothy is just getting started. And Paul is, is encouraging him. And he says, Timothy, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So right from the beginning in, in that verse, we see this, this claim that Paul makes. He says that all Scripture, every bit of it from beginning to end, this is inspired by God. Even though there were many, many authors of the Bible, over thousands of years, God told every, each of those authors what to write and exactly how to write it. So this is God's word right here, beginning to end. Nothing needs to be taken out. Nothing needs to be added. But let's keep going. Verse, go, verse 16 goes on to say, it's profitable or, or beneficial for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction in righteousness. And those are, those are familiar words, but let's, let's look at them a little bit closer. If you look at the word doctrine, this is defined as a, a set of beliefs held and taught by a church, political party, or other group. So this book here is the, is the set of beliefs that God wants you to have. It's the beliefs that he's given us and said, these are my beliefs, these are the beliefs I want you to have. The next two, reproof and correction. So reproof is, is defined as, as a statement of blame or disapproval. And so a good example here in the Old Testament, the children of Israel, God says, stop worshiping idols. I don't like that. 
But you know, then he brings the correction, right? And he's like, here, do this instead. Worship me. I am your God. I brought you out of Israel. Hi, this is Pastor Scott from Foothills Calvary. I hope the Lord is speaking to you through today's message. I wanted to just take a second and invite you to join us for worship services at Foothills Calvary. We meet Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. at 12344 West Alameda Parkway in Lakewood, just a few blocks west of Union and Alameda. If you'd like more information on Foothills Calvary, please visit our website at foothillscalvary.org. Now let's get back to our study. I pray that the Lord will continue to speak to you by his Holy Spirit. And for many other things in our lives, God will say, don't do that. It's not what I want for you. Do this instead. And this word can help direct you in that direction. And the last is instruction. And I love the the definition of this. It's detailed information telling how something should be done, operated, or assembled. And in this case, it's detailed information and instruction in righteousness. God is righteous. He wants to lead us in a pathway of following him so we can be righteous like him. We're becoming like him as we follow him and we learn from him and he teaches us. So it's, this becomes your textbook. You know, the kids are going back to school. They're bringing books home. And, and if you want to learn math in a certain way, you have a textbook and you go in. You, you don't consult that book for, for some other subject. You consult it for what it's designed for. This, this verse tells us right here exactly what this book is designed for. It can be our textbook. It's without error. It's without falsehood. It's been true from the beginning. It will be true for all of history. You can build your life on it. But the verse goes on, it says that the man of God may be complete. How cool is that? And that's quite a claim. It's saying that you can be complete in this word. If you ever put together a puzzle, I know some people love them, some people hate them, but you know, you you get the edge pieces and you put around all the edges and then you put in all the middle and then there's that one satisfying piece at the end. It's just just the end piece and, and the whole puzzle is done. It's complete. You see the entire intent of the manufacturer before you. You don't start shaking the box or look under the table. Why? Because it's complete. You don't need to look for anything else. You don't go cutting out extra pieces and trying to force them in because it's complete, right? And, the, and this book right here, God says, with this, he's going to make us complete with his word. We don't have to add other things. We don't have to take things away because he's going to do it. And he's saying that to us, but there's even more. It says that we are thoroughly equipped for every good work. How interesting is that? You know, he doesn't complete us so that we can walk around going, yeah, I am complete. Check me out. No, he completes us for a purpose, for a purpose that he has for us. He makes us complete so that he can use us. Ephesians 2.10 says, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. And this is so cool, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Before you were even born, he mapped out your life. This is what I want you to do. I've got all these good works prepared for you. You can walk in them. You follow my instructions, follow my doctrine, and I'm going to have you walk in these good works. Okay, so if you want to get to know your Savior, wow, we have found the right place. 
this is a great, great place to get to know him. We have our textbook, and it's critically important that you yourself decide that you're going to believe things that are in here because the world is going to challenge you. People are going to say, it's old, it's outdated. People are going to say, why do you still look at an old book like that? You're going to have to make a decision that you believe everything in here because sometimes you're going to open up this book and you're going to go, I don't get it. That doesn't make sense. It doesn't align with what I heard. I don't know if I understand this. This is hard to understand. Just like the folks that we saw in, in the John 6 account, people heard the word and they said, you know what? That's too much. I'm, I'm out of here. I can't, I can't go on. You have to make a decision that you're going to look into this and when it does get challenging, you're going to go, Lord, I don't get it. I don't get it, but I've made a decision and I'm going to keep going. What about all the other options? You know, there's many other ways that you can hear the word of God and discuss the word of God. We're doing one today. What about church? Should we even go to church or should we just sit home and read the Bible? Well, if you look at the instructions in the Bible, it says, yes, we should be in church. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. And let us consider how we spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. If you can be here, be here because you're encouraging one another. It's so important and it's one of the, the instructions that God gives us. And here's, a, here's an interesting one. Um, don't skip the worship. It's so good. It puts your heart in the right place. You know, so many people treat worship like it's going to, like you're going to the movies. You know, you've got the, the few minutes before, which are just previews, and the few minutes at the end, those are just credits. You know, you can come 20 minutes late and leave five minutes early. And this is no offense if you showed up late today. I'm not trying to point anything out. I know sometimes things happen, so not targeting anyone. But, you know, this is sometimes the way people consider worship. It's like, hey, I'm not missing anything. I'm getting the, I'm getting the movie in the middle. But, but that's not what God's word tells us. Colossians 3.16, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, songs from the spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. So important. It's, it's, it changes your heart. It draws you closer to God. It prepares you for the message that you're going to hear. All right, so you're spending time in prayer. You're in the word. Your life includes worship and church instruction. You have fellowship, fellowship with other believers, like in community groups or or when you get together at different groups. That's all great, and that's part of the instruction that God has given us. But what about all the other options? There's so many devotionals and books and podcasts and speakers. And, you know, how do you know? Can you you just listen to all of those? And, And... Oftentimes when you're a new believer and somebody says Jesus, you're like, hey, Jesus, all right. Or, or say bless. You know, they have blessed on their license plate. Oh, it must be a Christian. They're just like me. But, but the Bible says you've got to be careful. In Acts 20, 29, for I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. So how do you know who to trust? How do you know what to do? Again, the Bible can be your reference, your textbook. If it doesn't line up with the Bible, if it's, if it's saying, well, you know, this is old and we're going to maybe adjust this a little bit to make it more modern, throw it out. Don't listen to that stuff. 
Nothing needs to be added or removed from the Bible. Deuteronomy 4.2 says, You shall not add to the word which I am commanding you, nor take away from it that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I commanded you. And then in Proverbs 35 and 6, Every word of God is tested. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words, or he will reprove you, and you will be proved a liar. Galatians 1.8, Paul says, But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. There are many more scriptures that give us this warning. Nothing needs to be taken out of here. Nothing needs to be added. So it's great. All of these other resources, there are so many great resources. I, I love certain devotionals. I was listening to a podcast on the way up here. But, you know, you just have to be careful. And when you hear something that's, that's different than what God is showing you in the Bible, Get together with like-minded believers and check it out, but make sure if it's not saying what this book says, throw it away. And I'm talking about the other thing. Don't throw the book away. All right, there's no shortcut. You need to be in the word to know the word to recognize the counterfeit, okay? Test everything. Now, there's a very important point in all this, and that is that you are not alone I know it can be scary. You're thinking, oh, what if I make a mistake? What if I listen to the wrong thing? What if I, God says he's gonna be with you every point, at every step of the way. In Psalm 139, he says, no matter where you go from his spirit, he's going to be there. And in John 16, 12, Jesus says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. That's God's Holy Spirit. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. That Holy Spirit, God's spirit of truth, he is in you once you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and he will guide you into all truth. How amazing is that? So amazing. When you stand on the word of God for your doctrine, your correction, your reproof and instruction, you'll no longer be bouncing around the ups and downs of society and culture and the wave of public opinion. Once this is your book and you make a decision to believe what you see in here, things get pretty exciting. And that brings us to the next point. When you start doing all the things and, and making this part of your life and the spirit is leading you into all truth, I believe that God wants to amaze you. Turn to Genesis 1.1. Probably don't need to turn there because you probably have it memorized, but we're going to look at a few things. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created. Now, right away, you have a decision to make. We just talked about you have to make a decision whether you're going to believe this or not. And in the beginning, God created is a pretty big statement. That means before anything else, there was no atmosphere, there were no planets, there was no universe. It was just God before anything else. I can't wrap my head around that. I can't understand it. But I've made a decision that I believe this, that it's true. I don't know how, but it is. And you have to make that decision because once you do, it just opens up this beautiful story of God, how God created everything that exists and how you continue to read on. You re read how he created man in his image and then you read about the fall, but what he did to, to take care of things after that and then how he called his people and there's just such an amazing story that starts to open up to you once you decide, you know what, I believe this. 
But there's something that I want you to see in verse 16 that I think has to just blow our minds. Look at this. Verse 16 Then God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness and God saw that it was good. Now now come back to uh, the end of, of verse 16 there. It says, he made the stars also. It's almost like a footnote. It's just like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I made the stars. And that's so cool. It's, it's not that the author was understating this. You know, this is kind of attributed to Moses. I think that's correct. Um, and, and it wasn't that he didn't understand it and he just kind of was like, oh yeah, he made the stars. This is God telling him what to write and how to write it. But do you know how many stars there are? Does anybody, billion? How about, how about a trillion? You know, the current estimate for the number of stars in the universe isn't, a billion or a trillion or even a hundred trillion. It's a hundred billion trillion. That's the current estimate for the number of stars. That's a big God. But it gets even better. Turn over to Psalm 147. Psalm 147. Psalm 147, verse 4, it says, he counts the number of the stars. And then what does it say? He calls them by name. Can you believe that? That is the God we serve. The God that can do that. If you believe this book, if you've made this book the foundation of your life, that's the God you serve. That's the God who's right here in this room with us. The God that is either in your heart or wants to be. That's a big God. So amazing. But you know what? It it gets even cooler, I think. I'm, I'm kind of a space nerd. I really love um, seeing, you know, we, we have this new telescope and the pictures from it are just amazing. And I love reading about different things. Um, you know, when you look online, you can learn a lot about things like stars, you know, how big they are, how hot they are, how far apart they are, what happens to them when they run out of gas. It's really cool. And you can find so much information, but you know what no one ever touches, no one ever wants to try to answer because they can't, is Why? Have you ever gone outside and, on, a, on a clear night and looked up and gone, why are there so many? Why, why is the universe so big? No one ever wants to answer that question. They'll, they'll give you, if you Google that, you'll get answers with like, um, well, they're necessary for life. Well, yeah, that's what they do. And then other answers will be, well, gases come together, gravitationally bound particles, and well, that's again how they're made, but it's not why. But do you know who does answer why? God does. And I believe it's in one of the stories of the Bible, and I believe it's one of those stories that he's using to show us just how amazing he is. Go back to Genesis. Genesis 15. And we're going to start in verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? 
Then Abram said, Look, you've given me no offspring. Indeed, one in my house, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Now the Lord could have stopped right there and just said, Abram, trust me. But I loved what he does next. Look at verse 5. Then he brought him outside, and he said, Look now toward heaven. Count the stars if you're able, able to number them. And he said, so shall your descendants be. How cool is that? What was he doing here? Abram was sitting in his tent. He was sulking. I don't have any offspring. You haven't done anything for me, God. God is saying, Abram, it's time for you to think a little bigger. Not only are you going to have an heir, but, but come out here. I want to show you something. Look up. I did that. I did that, and I'm telling you you're going to have an heir. In fact, you're going to have so many kids, it's going to be like the stars of the heaven. That's how many kids you're going to have. Isn't that cool? Now, we don't know what Abram said. It's, it's not recorded if he said anything, and I will, I will 100% admit that this is just my speculation. But I have a feeling it was a little bit like this. Whoa. Because look at the next verse. Look at the next verse. It says, He believed in the Lord... And he, God, accounted it to him, to him for righteousness. You see, something changed in Abraham's heart, or in Abram's heart, comes Abraham later. Abram's heart, he wasn't sitting in his tent sulking anymore. God brought him out of his tent to get him, stop focusing on your condition, and instead look at the one who's making these promises to you. And I believe God still wants to do that to you today. Look at Romans 1.20. We don't have to turn there. It says, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. And, and Psalm 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. This passage shows us that Abram had a relationship with God just like you can today. He talked with God like you can he listened to God's word like you are. He acted on what God told him to do, and God used his creation to show him just how big and powerful and amazing he is, and it changed Abram's heart. Okay, so you have a relationship with the Lord. You're learning about him through prayer, his word, Bible teaching, worship, fellowship. You're walking with him. He's showing you amazing things, so you're done. You got it. You've arrived. That's it. The only problem is... That's what we see in the John 6 account. The same things. Those people, they had a relationship with Jesus. They were, they were following him. Some of them were called disciples. And not just the 12, there were others that were called disciples. They saw miracles. They heard amazing teaching of Jesus. And then they heard difficult teaching of Jesus. And they walked away. It says some of his disciples walked with him no more. So what separates us? What can we do I believe that it's found in a very famous parable, and we're going to look at this. Turn over to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, starting in, chapter, or in verse 13, parable of the sower. It's a very famous parable. You all probably all know it well. It says, and he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes the word that was sown in their hearts. 
These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who when they hear the word immediately receive it with gladness, and they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things, entering in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on good ground, those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. In Jesus' parable, each group of people hears the word just like we are today. But for some reason, the first three groups fail to do anything with it. The first group hears the word, but Satan comes and, and steals it away, and it almost sounds like it's unfair. But, but it isn't that Satan, you know, they were just sitting there and, yay, the word, and then Satan's like, nope, it's mine. It, it, it actually, if you look in James 4, verse 7, it says, therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Satan can't take the word from you unless you don't resist him from taking it from you. So don't blame Satan. He can't take anything from you. The next group listens and gets excited, but they stumble under the persecution. And the last group, well, they've just got too much on their plate. They're just so busy with kids and jobs and mortgages, and, and there's just so much going on. Each group became part of the statistics. But there's a difference in the last group. You see it? Jesus tells us that when the word is sown on good ground, it's heard, it's accepted, and it bears fruit. Some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. There is no zero-fold. The next step we're talking about is to get involved in what Jesus is doing. He's working. He's doing things right here in this church and we need to get involved. Ephesians 2.10, again, it says, for we are his workmanship. He created us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. He created us for good works. James 1.22 tells us, be doers of the word, not hearers only deceiving yourselves. And then in, in chapter 2, verse 17, he says this also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. And you might say, well, that's James, and people aren't sure about James, and where does it fit, and what does it all mean? And how about Jesus? Because Jesus in five, Matthew 5, 16 says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. How do you avoid becoming statistics? There's many different ways that you incorporate into your life once you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. But one of the keys is getting involved with what he's doing in his ministry. I believe it's critical. I believe we saw it in Peter. Peter was, was giving his entire life to Jesus and it brought him to a point where he said, you know, what I've seen and what I've heard and I'm so invested, I'm so personally involved that I can't go back because there's nothing to go back to. The Lord showed him things that, that, that left him speechless. And it brought him to the point where he said, you have the words of eternal life and have come to believe and to know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. My friends, we can't ignore the statistics or think that we're immune to the difficulties. Jesus said that in this life we'd have tribulation, but we should be of, a, of good cheer because he's overcome the world. As the worship team comes, once you've received the free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, it's time to get to know him. Start a conversation with him. Get into his word. Know the truth for yourself so you can spot the counterfeits. Commit to a good church like this one where the uncompromising word of truth is preached. 
And God is so amazing. You can see him in every part of your life. You see him just in, in everyday things. You see him in your family, in the face of your, your wife and your kids. There's so many things to be thankful for. And then get involved. In fact, if you want to really freak people out, get involved this way. Take one of those ministry servant applications and check where needed. People are going to be like, dude, that's just crazy. You know, they're going to send you to Africa. No, they're not going to. Maybe. But you know what? If that happens, that's what God has for you, and it's going to be the most blessed thing you can possibly imagine. But you know what? It's more likely that you're going to be needed in children's ministry, which can be just as scary at times, but man, it is so amazing. It's where my wife and I work and my kids. It's so amazing. So we do live in difficult times, but in the end, God wins. And because we are followers of him, we've given our lives to him, we win with him. And someday you're going to stand before your Savior and you're going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into my rest. And then we're going to enter into the most amazing, unimaginably amazing place and we're going to be there for all eternity. I hope you're planning to be there. God bless you. has been Alive and Powerful with Pastor Scott Morrison. We hope you were blessed by today's message. Alive and Powerful is the radio ministry of Foothills Calvary, a fresh and growing fellowship in Lakewood, Colorado. We invite you to come and join us as we study the Word together, Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. We meet at 12344 West Alameda Parkway in Lakewood, just a few blocks west of Union and Alameda. For more information about Foothills Calvary, please visit our website at foothillscalvary.org. That's foothillscalvary.org.